0: Welcome to the FrogCast. We are back. Football season is here. The Frogs are practicing out there under the 140-degree sun in Fort Worth, Texas. We are going to talk about college realignment, recruiting news, what we see after the first four days of open practice, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the FrogCast. Jeremy Clark, I feel like I haven't talked to you in five months because I haven't talked to you in five months on here. How's life going for you, my friend?
1: It's great, man. It is so great for football to be back. Frogs are out there. We got the first week of fall camp. Recruiting is hot. It's as hot as it is in Texas right now. And uh, it's another good season on, on, on the brink, man. I can't wait.
0: How many seasons have you been covering the Frogs now?
1: I think, now you told me there wasn't going to be the math in this episode. So I think it's going to be, I think I'm in year 19. So February of 05 is when I started this journey.
0: Well, this is the eighth year of the Frogcast, so um, we got a ways to go to catch up with you. But hey, here we all are. We're going into twenty twenty three, the fourteen team Big Twelve. So let's just kind of roll into that, man. Uh, College realignment is crazy. Let, Let me unload on my some of my complaints about it, and then we'll talk about where things have kind of shaken out. I I want to be the grumpy old man yelling at the clouds here, Jeremy. I hate what college. I hate the creative destruction. To, to borrow a phrase of capitalism, the creative destruction that has taken place in college football. We have all been experiencing it as TCU fans since 1994, the death of the Southwest Conference. Obviously, the Frogs fought their way back up to get into the Big 12, but it took you know, uh, the invisible hand to borrow Adam Smith to help make that happen, even after they had invested so much. This last week, we saw the Pac-12 a conference that's been around for over a hundred years, literally die in one day. They had Colorado leave the week before. They still had nine teams. Oregon, Washington goes to the pack. Goes to the Big Ten. Uh, Colorado already left, and we got Oregon. I mean, we got uh, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and there's four teams left. And Stanford's probably going to find somewhere because they got more money than Fort Knox. I feel terrible for these Oregon State and Washington State fans that love their program, that thrived on regional rivalries in a conference that I thought was as secure as can be because of how far it is. But now we got the volleyball team leaving Eugene, Oregon, and flying to the middle of nowhere New Jersey to play in the Big Ten. And I, I, there's some things that are clearly going to be positive for the pack, for the Big Ten or for the Big 12. I'm getting all this mixed up. But I hate what college realignment is doing to what makes college football great. Which is regional rivalries where you go to work, you go to church, you got family members that are at rival schools, and I think it's kind of going the it's going away. But I'm a guy that likes blockbuster, so I can't really you know do a whole lot about it. What is what is your kind of naive take from watching everything kind of get blown up in the last week?
1: Well, it's you know we knew it was coming. I mean, all of us that follow college football knew realignment was um, going to be very active even a year ago. Um, and you just where – you, where you see smoke, there's obvious fire. Um, I, I love it for the Big 12. I love that they've added Colorado. I've, <laughs> I haven't hit it at all. I love that trip to Boulder this past year, and I, and I can't wait to make it again in the future. I loved going out to Arizona. Um, I haven't been to Tucson, but I have been to uh, Phoenix, obviously. A lot of you guys have. So be, uh, Arizona State being in the conference is going to be pretty fun. Um, Utah, another another old Mountain West rival, getting back in the fold. That'll be fun to rewatch that series. But you know, I, I look at it from a perspective. Um, it, it, it's a, it's great, you know. But you do have those regional rivalries you were talking about. It's going to be crazy when you think about uh, you know Arizona State going to West Virginia for a baseball game or a, a, for a volleyball game or even UCF. Um, going all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast, you think about some of those sports that aren't really money makers—the the smaller sports. And I'm not trying to demean anyone, but you know, you're talking about you know women's basketball or volleyball or even men's basketball in, in some schools' cases. But let's be honest—I mean, this thing is driven by football. Football only—they're um, not getting these big money deals for conferences for how good a team's uh, how good a college's basketball program is it's just it's just not happening um so you you look at it from a perspective of i'm really really glad that the big 12 has brett your mark because that guy just makes things happen and we had we had a joke the other day we we're at practice i can't remember who i was talking to but man i mean it it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me in the least if you see the acc start going after some teams and you see the Big 12 get some teams from uh, like a Stanford or like a Cal, and then they tell the ACC, well, hey, you can have UCF and you can have West Virginia. And it's just like the case where TCU was in the Big East for about 20 minutes, never having really played a conference game. So, uh, to me, I, I love I love it. Uh, I love the realignment talk. Uh, obviously, it's a good talking point for a lot of fans. And um, for me personally, I can't wait to make some of these trips to, to see some – college football more on the west coast
0: well you talked about the best move the big 12 has made and you know basically since they put together the 10 team league that had tcu in west virginia and that was hiring brett yormark he he is from new jersey the dude looks like a mob boss he dresses like a mob boss and he acts like a mob boss now jeremy you sat through a lot of big 12 media days did you ever listen to Bob Bowlesley speak and basically not want to fall asleep? Because that's got to be talk about night and day between your Mark and Bowlesby. What is your experience of interacting with uh, Brett compared
1: to Bob? I mean, he's a very lockable guy. I mean, you, you, like you said, he just, he commands a room. It's it's funny. He's not a, he's not a, a big man of stature. He's like me, small dude, short dude. Um, but people just respect the guy. It's like he walks in a room and everyone's head just kind of turns and when he talks people listen i mean he he, he's very interesting we we hear the talk about you know how Sonny Dykes approaches media and how the fans love to hear him talk and how there's really not a a a bad question for him he answers pretty much anything and your mark is kind of that matter of fact kind of guy as well Bosby kind of skipped around some questions was kind of dry and you're you're right i mean there could be a hurricane going through there and that dude's still talking he's not he's not finishing what he's talking about but uh yeah, I, I I really think when you when you look at it, and it, it sounds very homerish, but I I, I wouldn't um, doubt it if we look up a year or two from now, and everyone in the nation is talking about how Brett Yormark is the best conference commissioner in college football.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. What what Yormark has done, um, jumping the line in order to secure the media deal extension. That is that was one of the most destabilizing forces for the Pac-12, and as much as I would like to see seven or eight, you know, power conferences of eight teams or t- nine teams, um, when, when Brett was hired, it was it was you know it was kill or be killed, and you know I'm I'm old enough to remember Brett the Hitman Hart, and we got Brett the Hitman Yormark going out there ripping the big the Pac-12 apart, building the the Big Twelve up to a 16 team team that stretches across all those time zones really really impressive so i am i'm really grateful for him so let me put this to you jeremy we got four new teams arizona arizona state utah colorado i want you to rank them not in tor- in terms of order of who is the most successful coming in or who's going to win the most coming in cuz the answer is utah how how do you how do you rank these in terms of sizzle you know we think about who's going to pop the most who are fans going to be excited to see how do you rank these four teams coming in
1: well i think if you look at it from a Right now, perspective. I mean, the most sizzles is obviously Colorado because you have Dion. Um, he brings he brings a lot to that program. He's he's got people talking about Colorado again. Um, it's the most they've been talked about since what 1990, when Eric Bieniemy and Darian Hagan were running the offense, that wishbone offense, and they were.
0: I ran play- that on Bill Walsh College Football.
1: <laughs> they were playing for a national championship. I mean, I remember where they were. They were so good back in the day, but I, I think. Colorado coming in is going to bring a lot of sizzle. I think Arizona State. Um, I, I I really think that they've got a pretty decent coaching staff. Um, people are going to love going there. I mean it's it's a it's a great area. Uh, the Sun Devil Sun Devil Stadium is pretty cool little setting. I can't wait to watch a game from in there. And then, I mean Utah, like you said, Utah is going to be the best of the programs. I, I think Utah just because TCU fans know them so well you haven't haven't played in the Mountain West and then Arizona I I really I like I like the addition of Arizona because not just for football but for basketball because you got a little built-in robbery now from you know March Madness from a couple years ago how the TCU got robbed in that game and people still talk about that and feel like TCU should have won that game and the refs robbed them and everything else so it's going to be fun from a basketball perspective to watch those two collide but i I really like like i said earlier man i really love the fact that we get to go to games in boulder because boulder's just a i don't don't care who you are that's that's a perfect atmosphere for college football um can't wait to get back out to uh phoenix and scottsdale and tempe that area down there is awesome all you guys that went to the fiesta bowl can attest i mean it's just it's just really awesome down there and um arizona i've never been to tucson so i'm looking forward to that and utah looking forward to that so it's the i will say this utah is going to be the toughest road game for them um, because utah has always been a tough atmosphere to play and as long as deon sanders is around colorado they're going to have a pretty tough atmosphere too because people are going to go out and want to watch him coach
0: well, for a segment of our listeners, they're going to love the Colorado trip because it's always 420 out there, so they will they will uh, light that up, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, they're going to love that aspect of it. They're going to make a little stop, and I remember... <laughs> I oh, oh, here I comes can't, a good, one. No, I can't, comes I a good can't, one. I can't throw anyone under the bus, but I will say when driving around Boulder, we saw about four or five TCU people coming out of... a. You know, one of those nice little shops, and they didn't hide that they were from TCU because they were all wearing purple and TCU polos, and, you know, so good for good for them that they had a chance to go out and uh, purchase some uh, needful things legally.
0: You know, in, in West Texas, you got the pizza, the place that used to be the Pizza Hut that became the Mexican food joint, but then it became the place to get your cigarettes and your chew. Well, out in Colorado, they just built these temples where you can walk in and have things dispensed to you. So th- there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll let our fans interpret that as they wish. We'll, we'll let that go. All right, moving on, man. Uh, obviously realignment has been dominating the landscape. Oh, before we go, I do want to give a shout out to one of our partner websites, J- uh, Jason Shear at the Arizona site. He has been all over realignment and did a great job covering, um, you and I would argue in a very dispassionate way. He's kind of the Jeremy Clark of the Arizona site. He was able to come up with, you know, what he knew, what he heard, what he thought without pumping smoke around realignment. And they have a realignment thread that had, I think, 1,400 pages on it. And uh, a lot of people were reading a lot. And there were a lot of fans from TCU and other sites that were coming in and following it. And it was kind of my go-to spot. So 24-7, man, they, they hired some good, good folks. And Jason did a great job keeping all of the Arizona fans updated on what was going on with realignment.
1: Yeah, Jason's done an awesome job. He's a really good basketball guy out there in Arizona too. And props to Jamie too for keeping, you know, us TCU fans um in the know too. Uh he's he's had some pretty good insight on some of the conference realignment, where things are gonna land and when things are gonna happen. So props to him too. But yeah, Jason Jason has uh really put his footprint in, in conference realignment. I think he's gotten a, a lot of praise here lately
0: yeah speaking of realignment we got a great writer on the board now somebody a second guy out there hustling with with jamie plunkett uh you know he had been at Frogs at War, Frogs at War for many years, Frogs today, and now he's now he's where he should be here at Horn Frog Blitz, and he's able to do a lot of stuff in, in areas that honestly, you know, you don't have the time to do. Obviously, I'm not as passionate or interested in basketball as baseball. He's got done great work just in the time that he's been here, and I know he's going to bring a ton to the table for football as well. But yeah, he was really plugged in with realignment, including some news that you know I'm not going to break on this podcast, but you need to join HornFrogBlitz.com. He's got some interesting tidbits from the last Big Twelve. Uh, president's meeting because it looks like your mark is um, uh, getting things ready for what might be next. So Jamie, welcome aboard. We're really glad to have you here. All right, well, let's keep moving. We've got uh, recruiting, 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 recruiting. Jeremy, let me just set it up this way. The the staff had an event uh, not that long ago called Hit the Horn and if i understand right they have uh they, they landed five recruits from that event it was obviously a very successful event uh, without walking through painfully every single recruit and giving every single detail that you have give us a big picture of what this event was designed for because obviously it's generating the results and give us one or two names of these five that you feel excited about
1: yeah they they have this event they call hit the horn it, it basically brings these guys up to campus They'll uh, get a chance to do a uniform shoot, go around the facilities again. Um, some of the guys that may have not been up to campus before have a chance to see some other things. But after they do that, they go to Sonny Dock's place, uh, his his home, and um, they bring their families. The coaching staff brings their families. So it's really a big family setting. In uh, this that weekend that they had that event, it was uh, last Sunday, and they had none of their Uh, commitments there and they had five uncommitted players and man they hit a home i mean they hit a grand slam with this event they landed five out of those five guys that were in town um that weren't committed anywhere now some of the fans will look at it well they didn't beat out very big programs for some of those schools and i'll say it again man those those coaches do a great job of evaluating they're looking at them a guy like Chris Brister out of Stevenville. If you look at him, I've seen him at a, a few camps over the spring, and he reminds me a lot of Patrick Morris. And anyone that remembers Patrick Morris just knows he was a tough sucker, and that's what Chris Brister is. Chris is AJ Ricker had never seen him in person before, and he went to the little mini camp, and I mean, they offered they, they basically. Offered two days later, they would have offered on the spot if they were allowed to do that. But uh, I mean, he's he's a guy that I think is going to fit in really nicely on their offensive line. But you look at Devondre McGee. Devondre McGee is a long corner. They're recruiting all these long corners. So anyone that's been out to TCU's practice lately, you used to see a bunch of five nine and five ten guys at cornerback. Now they're all six foot to six foot two. They're all tall. They're they're long. They're, they're just exactly what Joe Gillespie wants out of his cornerbacks. But Devondre McGee is another long guy, 6'1", 180. Runs a 10-9, 100. Uh, very physical. LaDainian Fields, not LaDainian Tomlinson, but LaDainian Fields, 6'1", 170 out of uh, Dell City, Oklahoma. Now, this kid I saw earlier this summer, and, man, he impressed the heck out of me. He worked at cornerback. He worked at receiver. They had a little mini camp, and – We walked away from that camp, and I walked up to a few people, and I was like, surely you are going to offer that kid. And at the time, you kind of got to – recruiting is kind of a process because at the time they were still in really good shape with Selman Bridges. They were in really good shape with Corian Gibson. When those two guys were telling TCU, hey, you guys are basically in top three, you're going to go for the guys that are the high-profile guys, but you still got your guys that you're keeping warm. Um in case you don't get those guys and and it's not necessarily keeping warm because they're bad players they're they're really good players but if you have a chance to go out and date a girl that's a ten you're 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 gonna wait on them as long as you can before you <laughs> before you go for the girl that that's a seven you know um so but these it, these is guys, that what
0: your wife did with you
1: oh hell yeah yeah I got lucky well they say out out kicked your coverage yeah um but no, I mean, they with Chris with Brister, Devondre McGee, Ladanian Fields, Mitch Hodnett, he's another big offensive lineman, kind of a versatile kid that could play tackle, flex inside and play guard if he needs to. Um, they, they've they done a really good job on the offensive line. And, 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 and finally, Wesley Harvey. I know people joked he had an offer from Lindenwood and some other school. I can't even remember who it was. But he also had offers from uh, UTSA, Houston, Memphis – and some other, a couple other P5s, and he's legit six seven. And I keep, I keep talking about how they evaluate these guys because if you look at their current roster, they have Quentin Harris. Quentin Harris has been going with the twos at left tackle this spring. That kid was six seven two forty five going into his junior year. Nice, now he's six eight three hundred and fifteen pounds, or, or three hundred pounds. Sorry. So you basically gain you know, 50, 55 pounds in a span of a year and a half. So he's, he's a guy that they're extremely high on. And and another kid is uh, Ben Taylor Whitfield out of Duncanville. He had Sam Houston state and one other offer. I can't even remember who it was, or maybe Arkansas state. That's who it was. So he didn't have any other P five offers, but you talk to, you talk to people around the program, they're talking extremely high on those two guys, Ben and Ben and Quentin and Wesley kind of reminds me of those two guys because he's kind of an unknown right now but he has legit size he's going to get bigger you know if you're going the strength program with coach cause you're going to add some weight and you're going to add some good weight and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look up two or three years from now that you have a tackle set with Quentin and Ben and Wesley Harvey out there that are all six seven to six eight and all over 310 pounds so I, I think they're doing fine on the recruiting trail. And this, this past week was really big for them hitting again on all five of those guys that they had up there this past Sunday for hit the horn. Well,
0: you know, there's always this, uh, recruiting, um, uptick kind of, you know, during summer camp and as, as, as people, kids are getting ready for their senior year. And then it kind of goes dry here for a couple of months and then things maybe start to pick up two thirds of the way through the season, who are two or three targets that Frog fans should keep their eye on thinking, you know, maybe if the Frogs get hot and, and have another effect, you know, successful season, not having to replicate last year, who are some guys that you could see maybe starting to say, hey, I think it's time for me to commit to TCU in late October and early November?
1: Well, I know people hate when I do this because they want to know information. They pay me $9.99 a month to know everything. Um but there are some guys that are committed to other schools that I've been asked not to name yet, but there's some high-profile guys that have circled back around and, and said that, hey, we want you all to still keep recruiting us. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up coming to TCU for a visit again, maybe unofficially. Um, but there's about two or three guys that they're on right now that are currently committed to other schools. Um, both the, They're on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I've seen some of the the – the messages on the board where, you know, they're kind of disappointed coming off a national championship, thought we'd be recruiting at a higher level right now. And I I just go back, man, you just got to trust what the coaches are recruiting right now. They've, they've been in the hunt for several big names. And right now those, those big names are just going elsewhere. It's not all, it's not every, everything does not have to do with NIL. That's another frustrating thing because every, every time TCU loses a kid. It's automatically nil. It's nil this, nil that. Now TCU, I will say they're not they're not going to go out there and spend two hundred thousand dollars on a recruit. It's just not going to happen. So anyone that has those pipe dreams that Flying T needs to get more in their collective to go to these high school recruits, it's not going to happen. Let me say that again. It's not going to happen. Let me say it one more time for those in the back. It's not going to happen. Number one, Sonny Docks doesn't want Flying T using that kind of money on a on a high school recruit like that so um and you never you never want to get a recruit that chooses a school simply because of nil if you if you need proof for that just go south south uh, from fort worth about two and a half hours to college station and take a look at, it, at why you don't just go to a school because of what you get in the nil because if you don't like the school money money ain't going to get you so far so it's it's uh something that I think TCU fans need to kind of take a step back and understand that they're not, they're not going to get every recruit they go after every big name recruit they go after. And and if they don't get them, it's not all because of NIL. Um, Some cases it is, but it's, it's, it's recruiting at a level right now that I think is very good Um, in their short time on campus, two years, less than two years, they've done a really good job of uh, getting those guys that they've wanted and, they're going to keep getting more. I think I think they're still going to be uh, a pretty good finish because I really feel like TCU is going to have another good year this year.
0: You know, there really is a no limit. I don't care how much money you paid me. I wouldn't want to live in College Station for two years. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That's what NIL has, has proved, that, you know, you can take the money, you can live there, but after time, reality sets in, and you're like, I'd rather uh, – you know, get 50 grand a year and live in Fort Worth or something like that. So it, it, it does run out. It does run out. Well, after talking about recruiting and talking about realignment and all that stuff, we actually got stuff going on on the field, Jeremy. So you've been out there at practice for the last few days. I think the Frogs have had four practices to kind of get things going. I know most people on our message board want to say, Jeremy, tell us everything you know and what your prediction is at every single position and if some guys work in a different position, that clearly shows, you know, something awful or something great. So let me just uh, break each of these down little by little. You were out there a year ago when none of us knew what the season was going to be. We thought we'd be improved. Everybody thought we'd be better than the five and seven that they had in 21. Nobody, including big homer Jeff Mitchell, thought, well, you know, the Frogs are going to play for the national title. Compare what you're feeling. Not what you, just what you're seeing, what you're feeling right now, being at practice compared to the first week of practice last year when no one knew what was standing in front of us.
1: That's a tough one. Yeah, because last year you had you had the ingredients to have a good season coming back. You, I mean, you had Quentin, you had Kendra, you had a good competi- competition between Max and, and Chandler, so the quarterback room was pretty good. I'll say this, and it's it, it's going to be very hard to explain this in a way that I can not put too many expectations on them. When I look out there at the athletes they have now, it's hard to it's hard to say, but I really feel this way. I think from top to bottom, they look better athletically than they did a year ago.
0: Oh my now, gosh! I heard. That. Don't
1: don't even don't even start. <laughs>
0: I heard it. I heard it right at the But
1: no no, I was I was even talking to Sonny about this that they they really look no matter what position you look at athletically they they're a very good looking football team. And I talked to him about the only thing that's missing in some of these key areas is just experience, playing, you know, just playing experience. Defensive line, that's why everyone wants to look at, you know, through the a transfer portal, why are they taking guys that aren't necessarily the six five six six guys? And this was explained to me pretty well. You fill in those guys because look who they signed this past year in the recruiting class. You had Zachary Chapman, which looks – he looks like a million dollars. I mean, that kid, physically he is – he does not look like a freshman. You have guys like Marcus Dill, Avion Carter, uh, Kivion Huddleston looks really good, but they're all young. They're athletic as heck. They're physically impressive, but they don't have a lick of experience between the four of them. So then you bring in guys like Tico Brown, Rick D'Abreu, that have that experience. Between the two of them, they've played in something like close to 70 games, I think, or 80 games in their college, in their college career. So they they don't necessarily look like guys that are going to just look totally impressive like they're going to make play, like make plays. They're not they're not physically impressive as the younger guys I mentioned, but they're experienced guys that know how to make plays in college football. So when I look when I look at this team compared this year to last year I see more athleticism. I see a team that has a different mentality. Last year, you I don't want to say they played more loose last year because no one really knew what to expect, and they were kind of a TCU team of old. Like People don't respect us, so we're going to prove a lot of people wrong. But now the mentality is like, we know we're good. We know the fans expect us to be good the media doesn't think we're good because they voted us fifth in the Big Twelve after playing for a national championship. They think we're not gonna be good because we lost all these big names. Now if you watched the John Paul Richardson interview, I asked them that question, what their mentality is, thinking, you know, people disrespecting them because they've lost these names and now they've got something to go out there and prove. But it's a long answer. I've been talking for the last three minutes about it, but to me, just to bullet it down, um, I think the mentality is they know they can be good and they have the athleticism to be just as good, if not better, than what they were last year.
0: Well, Frog fans, that's about as good an update as you can get.
1: We're going to go through
0: some position groups, but Jeremy, I, I really appreciate that observation because – you know, we look back at last year, especially where we would have been a year ago, and you can't unsee what the season was. But to hear you communicate now about expectations, about athleticism, about energy and focus, that, that says that – that gives me hope that last season was not a fluke. You know, people are going to – there's nothing that the media would love more. And the media is not you and I, but everybody else, of course. They there was nothing they would love more to see TCU go out and go seven and five, and just basically do all they could to erase the memory of last year. So I don't. I think they're going to be good, but hearing what you're saying really just confirms what 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 I'm hearing and what what my convictions are about what what kind of talent Sonny is going to be able to put on the on the field this year so all right well let's get into where some of the questions are going to be need to be answered let's start at where it all begins at quarterback obviously uh tongue firmly planted in cheek the frogs return their starting quarterback Chandler Morris uh Chandler uh buddy man you got some big shoes to fill you got some big Iowa shoes to fill what are you seeing from Chandler Morris because I'm hearing good things. You're citing some things that get me excited. What are what are your eyes telling you about the what Chandler's going to be able to bring to the field this year?
1: Well, I, I said it in the spring. He looked he looked like one of those players that wasn't stressing out every day being in a position battle. Um last year with Max in spring and in fall, you're you're talking about man if I make a mistake here, am I going to lose my chance of starting? If I do this wrong, am I going to lose a chance? But I will say this, Chandler has stepped – I mean, he just looks like a guy that is a very good leader. Um, he's got an extra pep in his step. He He's having fun out there. It looks like he's meshing really well with Kendall Bryles. He's said multiple times, this offense is built for my strengths. A lot of RPO, running some, and um, throwing the football over the middle. I mean, those are things that he really likes to do. He's – He's improved since the since the spring, in my opinion. I, I I talked to someone. It's it's a funny story. This this world is small. I don't know if you guys watched um, that docu series on Netflix, Quarterback with Mahomes and um, those other guys. Uh, God, Marcus Mariota, and who's the other last guy? What was the guy's name the Vikings quarterback? Anyhow. The guy that was on there for Patrick Mahomes that trains those – that trains Mahomes, Jeff Christensen, has spent a lot of time up at TCU this offseason, this summer. And I've got a buddy who has a son that trains with him. He's, He's in high school. And they just happened to be out there one day during a session when Chandler happened to be out there. And my buddy calls me. He says, man, Chandler Morris is stinking good. He makes every single throw. And I'm like, really? He looks pretty good. And and he's like, man, how in the world did that guy not beat out Max Duggan last year? I said, well, he did. He was he was the starter last year until he got hurt. He's like, man, he's gonna be really good. I mean, he his arm is incredible. Well, after that conversation, I talked to a few people inside the program, and they said the same thing. They said, well, just just wait, just wait till you see him. I mean, he's he's thrown exceptionally well this summer. That he's leading the seven on seven. This and that, just high praise everywhere. So, he's really stepped into that role where he knows he's the guy. And I really feel good about Josh Hoover, man. I'll, I'll be I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. When they hired Kendall Brows, I think I even said I think I posted it on. I feel like an idiot for posting it, because man, has he proven me wrong? But I think I posted Josh Hoover probably entered the transfer portal because he's not built for Kendall Brows' offense. And then we go out to spring and we see him, and it doesn't even look like Josh Hoover. He's completely transformed his body. He looks skinny, and he looks faster. And I was was talking to Sonny about it and uh, Kendall about it, and Kendall really didn't see because he wasn't there during the season. But, you know, he talked about how impressive Josh was, and Sonny said the same thing. Like, he's completely transformed his body. So I really feel comfortable if Chandler happened to go down, that Josh Hoover could come in. And, and lead that offense. Now, he's not nearly experienced as, as Chandler, um, and you don't want to go into the season with just two guys that could get it done. You you would like to have that third guy, and you'll probably talk about it in a minute about Chance Nolan, but um, I really feel confident with those two guys, and I made a post on the board earlier this morning that I really don't think a lot of people know how much Josh Hoover is valued in the program because i, I and just completely honest. I, I think in spring camp, he was the most improved player that was on that roster from what I saw in the fall compared to what they did in the spring. I thought he was the top, the most improved player on the entire roster and uh, he's making Chandler better because Josh will go out there and throw the football around too. And he'll, he'll make some passes and I think people saw that in the spring game. And um, there was a couple, a couple open practices where he looked really good. And so I feel really confident about those two guys and, but I, I will say this, Chandler, Ch- Chandler's playing on a different level than what he was uh, this time a year ago. And that uh, that offense, he seems really, really comfortable in right now.
0: Well, you referenced it. Chance Nolan, guy that had transferred in from Oregon State, it looks as if he's already left the program. Anything Anything you can update us on, both in terms of uh, why he's leaving and, and also is, are they going to backfill for a third-turn quarterback?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was – it, it kind of – I don't want to get too much into it because it's too much, you know, information that probably shouldn't be shared. But um, he let the staff know that just wasn't – I guess the best term I could say just wasn't filling it and uh, um, decided decided to leave after two practices. He was working through the first couple practices that you can – it was clear to see that, you know, he was, he was third string. And I made a joke about it with someone that – well, man, maybe he saw Chandler and Josh throw and, and, and really saw them run the offense and knew that maybe he wasn't going to play. Maybe he wasn't going to see much playing time like he thought he was because this is a guy that had some college experience. I mean, he, he came in um, with the most experience out of all three of those guys. You look, you honestly look at it, Chandler hasn't played a lot of football games and, and Josh obviously hasn't either. Um, Chance Nolan was the most experienced of the quarterbacks. When I looked at him, he was the biggest of the quarterbacks. He was pretty athletic. I didn't get a chance to really see him run in those first two days, but he could throw the ball well. He had a good deep ball, um, but it was clear to see to me that it was gonna it was gonna take a lot it was gonna take a lot for him to beat out a Chandler, B. Josh Hoover. So I I, I think you know it leaves TCU in a spot where they don't have a third quarterback scholarship quarterback. Now Grant Tisdale is there. Grant Tisdale was a highly rated four-star out of the 2019 class, went to Ole Miss, they moved him to receiver, he left, I think he ended up at Southeast Louisiana, moved back to quarterback, and then played a couple years there, and then is here now as a walk-on at TCU. Uh, he's Actually, he, he looks pretty decent now, He's again, he's not going to beat out Chandler or Josh, but... He looks, he looks capable to, to make some throws. Um, could he go out there and lead this team to nine or ten wins? Probably not, but um, they do plan to bring in another quarterback. Uh, I, I can't say the name yet, um, That but they expect hopefully that they'll have them there by hopefully – I thought by Monday at first. It may may surprise me he may be out there tomorrow, but I would anticipate probably more Tuesday, Wednesday. It is a transfer portal guy um he was he was in there still so it's uh you know we'll be on the watch for it as soon as i see him you guys know i'll let you know um i'll you guys follow the uh live updates of of practice reports i try to let you guys know as much as i can when i can and if i'm walking around and i don't post for about 20 minutes i'm either a shooting video or b talking to a lot of people i don't know why i'm using multiple choice right now i don't know why i'm saying a or b right now but i'm excited to talk football
0: well you said there'd be no math and now you got to do letters so this is this is you know with your age of education this is going to be a real challenge
1: here <laughs> hey man that's yeah go ahead I'll touch it. it I don't have a comeback
0: I'm just kidding you all right let's let's stay on the offensive side of the ball real quick here as we keep moving Uh running back room that's going to look a lot different obviously you lose uh, Kendra Miller who was you know all-conference running back put the team on his back also, you know, Amari DiMarcado, I don't think he, I think, I don't think people acknowledge the hole that kid is leaving. I believe he was in the program five years, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, maybe five years. He was in the program for five years. And, uh, man, you go back and look at that Texas game, obviously look at the second half of the Fiesta bowl. He is just as big a th- need to f- replace as, as Kendra Miller, just in different ways. Trey Sanders, uh, He's obviously the transfer from Alabama. Great story about him that Dean Straka wrote about how all he'd been through and being able to be there at TCU. And uh, Amani Bailey, the transfer that had come in from Louisiana Lafayette that was on the team last year and played a little bit. Had a nice touchdown run against West Virginia. Those are the two guys that everybody thinks are going to be carrying the ball the most. Really quick, what do you see on an update from both of them and who am I leaving out?
1: Well, it's a lot. It reminds me of the quarterback battle last year because Anthony Jones has done a tremendous job getting both those guys reps with the top group. I mean, you'll see when they go through the team uh, session of practice, the first time they'll go through it, you may see Trey Sanders going with the first group. The second time they go through team, you'll probably see Imani Bailey. It's they they kinda flip flop, just like Max and Chandler did last year when they were competing for that quarterback spot. Trey's a Trey's a really tough runner. I mean, he's the biggest of the backs. He's a low, two two hundred and fifteen pounds, maybe two twenty by now, but uh he runs really hard. He runs really well between the tackles. Amani's the more explosive guy. Amani's Amani's gonna get a lot of carries this year. And, and it, it's gonna be it, it won't matter who gets to start. They're gonna they they may have you know, x amount of starts next to their game, uh, next to their name this year. That's going to be the only difference because I think both of them are going to be asked to do a lot for this offense. Uh, Kendall Browse wants to run the football, and you're not going to have a running back. This day and age of college football, it's very, very rare to see a running back get 20 to 25 carries unless you're Steve Sarkeesian and give Bijan Robinson that many carries, um, which he should have, by the way. Uh, anyhow, I think both of them have shown great ability Trey again I, I really like his running style I, I, I will say if there's a difference between the two of them I will say Trey is the better blocker Trey protects a little bit better than what Amani does Amani is better on the perimeter he's going to be a guy they're they're wanting to throw the football to the running backs they're wanting to do those swing passes Amani's probably a little bit better at at catching the ball and getting upfield faster than what Trey is now the other guys uh Trent Battle, he's still around. He hasn't really made explosive plays like he was, he did last fall when we kind of talked about him. And I asked Anthony Jones, man, Trent's really looking good out there. And he's like, well, don't tell him how good I think he can be. Um, that's not to knock, knock him at all. There's, there's parts of – just so everyone knows, there's parts of each practice that we don't see. We're only seeing the first hour. And the second hour, who knows what happens. I mean, they could go out there and – be breaking off long run after long run. Someone could be intercepting the pass. and I've gotten a little bit of tidbits here and there about how things look when, quote unquote, the media is not out there. But um, I haven't heard any of that talk yet about Trent Corey Wren. Corey Wren is healthy. That's that's one thing I will bring up. The the health of this team looks so different than what it did in the spring. I mean, when you looked over there at the spring, there was. Fifteen to twenty guys doing rehab. They were doing something that that wasn't associated with getting reps with their their position group. This fall, there's probably five or six, and the only one I could really think of that hasn't been playing a whole lot that people would know is John Lance. John John hasn't practiced yet, but the but the health the health of this team is really good. And Corey Wren was one of those guys that really he was off and on in the spring. He'd work out a couple practices, then you'd see him do rehab. And then the next day he'd come out, come out practice again. But he wasn't real consistent. Well, he's been consistent so far, the first four practices, and it looks like Jones is trying to give him a chance. Jones is trying to give him some carries. He's he's a fast running back. He's kind of like Bailey in the in the sense of he has explosiveness to him, but he's also really good at catching the football. There was a, a practice, uh, I think Tuesday. Uh, no, not Tuesday because they weren't practicing yet. It's probably Thursday where they were doing uh, some seven-on-seven, seven, and Josh Hoover threw a beautiful wheel route to him. Now, wheel route, I know it scares TCU fans sometimes, but um, Corey Wren ran under it. I thought it was going to be overthrown, and Corey ran it down, and it was a touchdown catch. It was a really good play. Um, but he's he's shown a little bit, and Cameron Cook, the, the four-star signee that they had, he hasn't been getting a ton of reps with the first or second group. Uh, I think the other day he did go with the second group, and he had a really nice run because he he looked like he was going to be bottled up on the left side. He bounced it outside, and I hate to say it, guys, of all you Shad Banks uh, fan fan club members, he smoked Shad Banks to the outside. I mean, he outran him, and that's part of the reason why I think you see Namdi over there with the at the star back right now because uh, Namdi's a little bit faster than what Shad is. But Cameron Cameron's coming along. He's just, you can just tell he's. a a true freshman right now but it's it's hard to tell I don't know who's going to win the running back battle but I do know Sanders and uh, Imani Bailey are both going to carry that load
0: you know it's not NIL money but whatever we can do to keep Anthony Jones in Fort Worth is money well spent I know you you told me and somebody else told me multiple SEC schools tried to come after him in the off season. I know people wanted to hire Anthony Jones, our running back coach. So I trust in him, not simply from what he did last year at TCU, but what he did at, at, at Memphis. He's got more running backs in the NFL from Memphis than almost any other team in the country. So we'll be interested to see how things shake out in the running back room. All right, one last position group that we're going to take a look at before we bring this close to show to an end. You mentioned last offseason, early on, that the cornerback room – on the defensive secondary, the cornerback room was going to look a whole lot different. Obviously, Trey Hodges-Tomlinson is going into the draft. You said there would be guys that would move out. The guys that they would move in would be different. What is Gillespie doing to shape the cornerback room into the image that he desires? And what are some of the changes that, that you've seen and players we need to keep an eye on?
1: Yeah, I mean, it does it does look completely different. Not Not just only in a sense of different names, but just the way they're built. And we we joke around. I see some old guys, old players out there that were there in the GP days, and I've known a lot of those guys for a long time. And we'll look at the corners, and it's funny, and it's no offense to those guys because, you know, the GP liked the he, – he really didn't care a whole lot about how tall you were. He wanted to know if you could run a 3-9 shuttle and if you could turn your hips and cover. Um, you could be a field corner in his defense. Well, Joe Gillespie likes – He likes size all across his secondary. He wants his safeties to be in the six-foot to six-two range. He wants his corners to be in that same range, be those long guys that can be physical with you at the same time. But if you look at just the different names that are out there, Avery Helm. Avery Helm uh, arrived in January. had a really strong spring. Uh, He's an extremely physical guy. He's extremely athletic. I mean, he is so athletic. I, I, I really think that, I, and I love Trey. Trey won the Jim Thorpe, but I think um, just in just in the sense of fitting into Joe Gillespie's defense, I think Avery Helm, with his physicality, fits in a little bit better. Now I still want to see how good he is ever as a coverage guy um, because we haven't seen that a whole lot yet. But uh, I can't wait to see how he plays in a in a real game. But you got Channing Canada, Mason White. Those both those guys are long. They're JUCO guys. Uh, Ish Burdon is still around. And it's funny because Jamie and I were talking to a few of the players at Media Days and we were talking and and uh, they said, man, watch out for Ish Burdon. He's had a really good summer. Now, Ish is one of those guys that he looks like a safety. He's about 6'2". two, looks about 200 pounds. He is a, he's a big corner. Um, but he hasn't practiced the last couple practices, so I don't know what's really going on there yet. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Jayonte McMillan, he was a guy – that played quite a bit last year he's, he's he's a former walk-on he's now on scholarship he kind of reminds me of uh uh Jason Verrett I mean he looks if you look from far away he looks just like Jason he's probably the smallest of the group at 510 yeah. 511 I mean it, and I, I'm just telling you, you go out there and see the cornerbacks they're all they're all long and they just they just look different uh, from what you used to typically see in a, in a TCU defense. But Ronald Lewis is healthy. That's another That's another good thing. He he didn't play at all last year. He's been out there. Vernon Glover, uh, I think Vernon Glover was one of the better steals of the class. I, I, I felt like um, he could have been ranked a little bit higher, and I'm not knocking anyone's evaluations, but I really feel like he was one of the better cornerbacks in the nation. Definitely a top 50 guy. He moves really well. People talked – that he had a really good uh, off season, came in in uh, J- June and hit the ground running. And he's he's shown some really good athleticism. He's been working with the threes a little bit. Um, but I, I really feel that the cornerback room, and Sonny has said this on, on numerous occasions, that they're deeper than what they were a year ago. And, and that's what I look at. It's what I should have said earlier when you asked about the difference between this team and uh, last year's team. You, the, the positions that their question marks uh, are are at your 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 linebacker not linebacker but your defensive line, your interior of your offensive line, your cornerbacks after losing a guy like Trey, your receivers. Yeah, the receiver group did lose Quentin Johnston, but as a unit overall with the outside and inside receivers, they may be better than what they were last year. They look more athletic, I'll I'll give it that. And and they're faster. You lose a guy like Darius Davis, but you're still fast because you have a, a guy like JoJo Earl and Major Everhart. You know those two guys can just flat out go. And Jalen Robinson, Jalen Robinson's another guy that was not going through spring ball. He's healthy, and any, anyone that's seen my clips of him knows that he can run. And DJ Allen is another guy that's healthy, and he could take the top off the defense. So you look at receivers, you look at defensive line. Yeah, they're not experienced on the on the uh, defensive end. A position, but they're extremely athletic. You look at corners; yeah, they lose a guy like Trey, but they have five or six guys that can really go out there and get the job done. I didn't even mention Josh Newton. I mean, it's 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 funny because you think of players and you don't mention a guy like Josh Newton because he just he routinely makes plays. You don't you don't have to ever worry about a guy like Josh Newton. He, but I will say this: Josh, Josh. Everyone found out last year he doesn't waste any time to. Talk his team up. He's going to be a leader, and he's a leader out there. I mean, he may he may be the best leader on the entire roster. I mean, he's he's the guy that everyone looks up to. Safeties, you got five guys coming back that have experience. And linebacker, you lose D. Winners, but Namdi uh, uh, Obiazor has been playing really good these first four practices. He's making plays and. It's it's funny because I, I I I get tested sometimes. People test me, Jeff. They do. You know you know I get you know I do, get fired up sometimes. Do not
0: put the Lord your God to the test.
1: <laughs> but it's it's funny because you know people say, well, I don't understand how he's going to keep Shad Banks off. You know, he, I don't know how Shad Banks can't beat him. They're they're two different positions, or how the heck he's going to Marcel can't beat that guy out. Until you go out and really see a practice, then I don't know how you can judge that. Because if you're just judging how Namdi played last year as a safety, it's not it's it's not the same evaluation. It's a completely different position. And when Joe Gillespie's up there telling us that Namdi has played extremely well and they like the move, then I'm going to trust Joe Gillespie. So that's that's the big thing, man. There's there's uh, obviously. A lot of different faces. I mean, a ton of different faces. But there, there is so many athletic players that I, I really feel this team's going to still win a lot of ball games. I do not think for one second that this team was a fluke last year. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go to the national championship, but I am. I'm calling they're, it right now. I know they're going you, back
0: to the national championship. You, you and,
1: you and TCU maniac can get on that train right In now.
0: Jeremiah and Jeff McCain and my brother, we're all in.
1: I honestly, I don't, I don't see how this team lose uh, doesn't win at least ten games. I'll say that.
0: Whoa! I, Whoa. I, will, I will.
1: I will. put my prediction out there. They will be seven zero when they go to Manhattan. I
0: agree they, with that.
1: They will be seven and zero when they go to Manhattan.
0: And if they're seven and zero. That means they've come together enough to be able to go what three and two in the last five games. There's no way. I mean, I mean, yeah, th- that's gonna happen. Okay. Okay. Well, there's so much more to talk about. Well, we got we got a, a, just about a month until the first game, so we're going to put it on pause here and we'll come back. I want, we didn't get into wide receivers, which I wanted to get into. We didn't get into the defensive line, which I really wanted to. But, hey, we've got some time between now and when the season starts, and we're going to soak it up between now and then. A couple things I want to close with. One, if you are not going to opening weekend against Colorado, you've got to be there. This is going to be – I'm going to be there. This is going to be off the rails in terms of media. The Dion height train is going to be at its peak right until the kickoff, and then I just have this prediction that it's going to be 104 at kickoff on Labor Day weekend at 11 o'clock. In the five scholarship defensive linemen that Colorado have are going to get to know Amani Bailey and Trey Sanders really really well. I think they're going to just run the ball all over them. Get there for that game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Support the team. Get out there and cheer on as, as we take down Prime. So, so,
1: don't go to your kid's soccer game. No. Let them sit it out. It's going to be too hot for them to play. Yes. Let them let them take a break. Tell your wife, "Hey, let's 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 take Junior out to the TCU football game. Let's go out there as a family this weekend." and Gets too hot at the game, go go stand in the shade in the concourse area, but be there. Be there to be loud.
0: Yeah, come sit in my luxury box. You're more than welcome to join. <laughs> uh, and also, to close, hey, if you love this podcast – i need you to get the word out we've had really good numbers when we're on we're going to be on between now and signing day probably i want you to be an evangelist be out there you know you you got your wife is probably doing multi multi sale. what do they call it multi-level marketing in your church and in your mom's facebook group get the word out about the frog it is time for us to continue to blow numbers through the roof. We were getting about 3,500 listeners a week. I know you're not supposed to talk about that stuff out loud, but I felt really good about that. Getting 3,500 folks a week felt really good about our, our listenership. Let's just keep pushing it up there. I'd love to see that get up to 5,000, especially if the frogs go 10 and 2, like Jeremy said. So get get the word out.
1: And while you're listening, make sure to come over to Horn Frog Blitz. If you want the latest and greatest on where the frogs are at practice, We're out there. We're out there covering every day. We're out there giving live updates. We're not going to post injuries as they happen. That's just not in our nature, and we've been asked not to do that anyway. But we're going to give as much detail as we can until we're told not to. Um, They're not really big on allowing us to break down the depth chart and everything else, but you guys will uh, understand that we'll we'll put some stuff out there and let you know how certain players are. We're not going to write a synopsis on 85 players every practice report, but we are going to give you the guys that – are standing out out there and the guys that kind of surprise if they're moving to a different position or if they're getting reps at a certain position or which quarterbacks getting more reps or which quarterbacks making great throws or receivers coming down with big plays. We've got you covered on that. And it's there. There's not a better time right now to sign up to, to 24 seven sports and Horn Frog Blitz last year in, in March, Jeff Horn Frog Blitz led our 24 seven sports network in percentage growth net percentage growth for our network that means horn frog blitz was the top network, top site in our network for growth so we're we're mo- we're moving up for uh little otcu tcu the fan base is uh came over to horn frog blitz and i can't say thank you enough to all the uh, support and everything else uh, for me being able to do this for going on 19 years now so we're gonna keep. We're gonna keep bringing it as much as we can, and tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Hell, tell 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 the Texas fan if they want to know about what TCU is going to look like when Texas comes up to Fort Worth and they in Texas loses again to TCU, they'll know why. They'll know why Texas lost to TCU because they'll know the inside and out about Hornfrog Frog football.
0: This site has been great since I've been on it. It's only getting better with Jamie Plunkin on board. We've got you know all kinds of coverage, and you're going to want to be at hornfrogblitz.com. Go uh, sign up today. It's the best $9.99 that you can spend. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Frogcast. Until we get back together again, for Jeremy Clark, for Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Frogcast.